Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Hello and welcome back and I'm so excited for this episode and I'm so sorry that it's taken a little while for me to get this out. It's become, I guess, a little bit apparent just how maybe overstuffed my life is with a full-time clinical practice and the show and my newsletter and trying to raise two kids as a single mum. So I've made an executive decision from now on to release this podcast once a month. (laughs) And I absolutely think I can keep that level of balance going indefinitely. Whereas looking at trying to get it out fortnightly, I'm pretty sure I would have burned out. So in an act of self-compassion, I'm going to do it monthly. To tell you guys the truth, I would love to do this podcast weekly because I get so much pleasure and joy out of talking to people and having these conversations. But unfortunately, uh, reality beckons and I need to make sure I can do what I'm doing in a long-term way and keep it all going. So once a month from now on, I promise. Thank you for all of your love and support for the show. I adore getting your emails and reflections and feedback from the topics that we talk about. And of course, if you have the shits about something, I need to hear about it. So if you want to rant about something on the show or if you have an idea or a story or something has happened to you and you want to get it off your chest, let me know. Send an email to me at louise at untrapped.com au tell me all about it and we'll see if we can get you on the show and of course remember to subscribe because as I said it will come out monthly uh, so it could fall off your reminder list so please make sure that you go and subscribe wherever you got your podcasts from so you don't miss episodes as they come out and if you can find it in your beautiful giant hearts to give us a really nice five-star rating and review preferably on Apple but anywhere you get your podcasts from I would just so deeply appreciate it and thank you very much So before we dive into this week's awesome conversation, I just want to let you know about a few things that you might already be aware of or maybe some new stuff. First of all, free things, things that you can get for absolutely nothing thanks to Untrapped. There's the free ebook, which is amazing. It's been written by me and Fiona Willer, the incredible advanced practicing dietitian from Unpacking Weight Science. And this little ebook busts the top 10 myths that are floating around in diet culture about the relationship between weight and health. And we really kind of give you a lot of information and science about the non-diet approach and also how, I guess, the whys of why pursuing weight loss is not just sort of really difficult, but not going to work long term due to factors absolutely beyond our control and also just psychologically not very helpful. So please go and get that free ebook. It's a wonderful resource for you to have yourself, but also something lovely to give to friends and family and colleagues and health professionals that might be in your life to help them get across the science that underpins the non-diet approach. So you can get the ebook at the website untrapped.com.au and it will just pop up and you can download it for free. 
or you can get it through Insta and the handle at Instagram is untrapped underscore AU. And then if you go to my bio, you just click on a link there and there's the ebook alongside several other awesome things that you can have a look at. If um, any of you guys are into Facebook, there is not actually an all fired up Facebook page. It's under the untrapped page. So if you guys want to follow and have a talk about the topics that we are raising in the podcast, find the untrapped Facebook page and that's where we can do a rant. When I get around to it on my list of um, things to do, I'm going to probably change the name of the Facebook group to all fired up. But until I get to that admin task, find us untrapped. Have a look. Follow the page and lots of information and conversations about episode topics will be there. And of course, our whole show is brought to you by the wonderful online program Untrapped, which I created two years ago now, which has just zoomed past really quickly with a whole group of wonderful health professionals in the anti-diet space. And this is an incredible program because it's extremely comprehensive It takes you through all of the different topics and the skills that you need to learn that can help support living in diet culture in an embodied, uh, awesome way. So if you want to find out more about the program, you can go to the website, again, untrapped.com.au and check it out and join our community because it's just absolutely awesome, this, this community that we have in Untrapped. And now is actually a very good time to join because we are looking forward with huge anticipation to the second Untrapped Retreat, which I am running in the glorious Hunter Valley next year in March. And we just have some really incredible activities, workshops, talks and events happening at that week-long retreat. So if you have been thinking about joining Untrapped and doing the program, get onto it because you could complete the program before we go on the retreat in March next year. And it's just going to be just lovely. So you might have noticed that we are racing towards the end of the year. I can't believe that 2019 is here and the end of the decade is approaching. Mind is blown. But you know what the end of the year means here at um, All Fired Up? It means it's almost time for the crappy awards. Yes, that is right. The crappy awards are held each January. And what this means is that I'm inviting everybody who's listening to the podcast who might have... um, something to get off their chest. I really want to hear about it. So the Crappy Awards invites you guys to submit a short audio, a couple of minutes, a few minutes long, of just you ranting eloquently about an aspect of diet culture or something that you've seen during 2019 that has really fired you up. And what I want to do is collect all of these rants and present them in our January episode of All Fired Up. And I will get our incredible winner from last year along to help me judge the most crappy aspect of diet culture for 2019. And the crappy award is is extremely distinguished, of course. And there is a prize. And also the winner will come with me the following year to help judge the crappies for 2020. Wow, doesn't that sound like futuristic? So if there is something that you have noticed in 2019 that pisses you off, if there's an aspect of diet culture that you would love to rant about, send me your crappies. Get it into an MP3 um, file and just email me at louise at untrapped.com.au and uh, tell them, so you just start off the rant by telling me a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Louise, I'm a psychologist and I'm pissed off about blur. And then 
just tell me your rant. And I am so looking forward because the crappies are just adore them because people are so creative and things come in from all over the world. And it really is important that we collectively come together and just share what's pissing us off. Okay now, so we can get on with the show. My guest this week is really awesome. Her name is Tara Leong. You might know her uh, from her Instagram account and online stuff. She is known as the nutrition guru and the chef. She is an awesome nutritionist, lecturer, speaker, and author. And she is well known for giving absolute no nonsense, no fad, no diet advice here in Australia. And we had this wonderful conversation because Tara is extremely pissed off with all of this stuff that's happening in Australia around the I Quit Sugar movement. So for people listening around the world who might not be based in Australia, I guess there is like a global pushback right now against sugar, which has sort of been named as public enemy number one. Here in Australia, we have gurus who are really leading and pushing the anti-sugar movement. And so this week's conversation with Tara, we're talking about one of these influencers in particular. Her name is Sarah Wilson. And uh, she's very notorious for really selling everyone on the idea that sugar is the crux of all evil. And as you'll hear, Tara has uh, really invested a lot of her time and her energy in trying to reach out to people in this community and to Sarah herself to try and change the narrative and, and reduce some of the fear and the hype that has been happening. So it's an awesome conversation that I had with Tara and I'm sure you're going to love it as much as I did. So without further ado, here is me and Tara. Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me, what is firing you up at the moment? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm so glad to be on the podcast called All Fired Up because I'm very fired up. And even just now speaking to you, Louise, like I'm looking at my arms and I've actually got goosebumps all over because I am just, it's been quite a journey the last few weeks, but really over the last few years, I've been slowly witnessing the rise of this sugar-free movement and it makes me really, really cranky. Oh, it! thank you for coming on and getting this off your chest because <laughs> if it's affecting your goose pimples, then <laughs> we need to address that because that, that's, a, that's a fight flight response right there. Yes. So, and that's, that's what this podcast is all about, coming in, talking about stuff to do with diet culture that's pissing you off and, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can unpack it. And, oh, my goodness, the sugar is like literally – it's the devil these days. There's no way that you can kind of get through the day without seeing a sugar is bad message coming from somewhere, right? Yes, absolutely. <sighs> it's everywhere and, and the children are hearing it and the grandparents are hearing it and it's just this, unfortunately, a, a circle that's captivating everyone at the moment from all walks of life and there's there's no one particular person I don't, I don't think that it's affecting. It seems to be everywhere and, and everyone. It is a modern scourge, this is for sure, and it's you know, I mean, there's been trends in like demonizing different food groups. Like it was fat and then, you know, carbohydrates. And now here we have sugar as the leading cause of everything evil on the planet. Mm. And I guess historically, these movements have been maybe headed by different weight loss gurus or sometimes medical professionals. But 
Like, who do you see? I mean, I see spearheading the anti-sugar movement. I see influencers. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. There are obviously some people in the medical profession, like, um, is it Dr. Lustig who's written on this topic? But, you know, the influencers, the shiny, beautiful people, really are spearheading this movement. Like, I'm thinking of... um, People like Sarah Wilson and her I Quit Sugar, definitely in this country, she is like the goddess of everything to do with anti-sugar. She started the I Quit Sugar movement, which it kind of came about from her just doing an experiment back in 2011. So from what I can gather, she'd, so she'd finished up, she was the editor of Cosmo for a while. And then after that, she actually was on MasterChef and was one of the first judges alongside the three guys on MasterChef. And then she left MasterChef and moved up to Byron Bay. And this is where she started sort of freelancing and then did an article. She said, like, it literally said, I think um, I've been reading her book, which has been interesting. And she said that she literally just didn't have a topic at some point. So she decided to quit sugar because I I think she'd read, um, is it David Gillespie's Sugar is Poison book? (laughs) The guy who's a lawyer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah sweet poison sweet poison yeah. Yeah. so she read that she decided to quit sugar did an experiment wrote about it because she's a journalist and she's like she's a good writer she's a very good writer and it sort of caught fire from there and that's where i quit sugar came from she started selling the ebooks and then became this massive empire um amazing. yeah like i mean it's sort of it's a zeke thing isn't it she kind of caught the wave of the beginning of the anti-sugar movement and and she's pretty and she's got lots of contacts and Mm. she's also you know as I said quite intelligent and and can put her point across Mm. well so it just sort of took off and And um, I think we came off the back of the fat is bad wave as well and then we were learning actually our fat is bad Uh, fat is actually important and it's Mm -hmm. okay yeah we're Um, going away from the low fat stuff yeah, so historically, we've always been looking for a villain. And yes. I yeah. think what was able to be served up was the villain. Yeah, a brand new villain, a vanilla villain. And it's so the weight loss industry, isn't it? It's And, and, and the wellness industry, which is find the villain and give people the steps to rid yourself of the villain. And, and also like that whole idea of like find sort of um, very common modern health complaints like maybe very, brain, generic. very generic like brain fog or yeah, um, bloating yes <laughs> <laughs> and then and then sell people this idea so that i quit sugar plant it's like eight weeks where you have to like completely stop all sugar and it was beautifully skewered on um the catering show i don't know if you've ever seen that no you have to watch it because they're, they're two comedians and they do kind of a, a parody cooking show. And oh. in this one episode there, they tried to quit sugar and it's really funny. <laughs> oh, oh, the two women. Yeah. Oh yes. That's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. They actually did a really good job of that. Of Yeah. Sort of highlighting how awful it is to quit sugar. And then, yeah. And I think what it, that's quite interesting there, Louise, because I think what those two women did was use, um, they used comedy to educate and to kind of show how ridiculous something could be. But 
most commonly what people are doing now online is to educate people. They're using their background story and their life experience. And like you said, those common symptoms that could be from 20,000 different illnesses and they're trying to package it up and they're tr- they, they, they sell it that way and they can reach people that way by really showing themselves and what they've been through and telling their story and then everyone gets hooked and gets sucked in. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a really good um, point. Is I think many influencers use their humanity, like their everyday person, that they're friendly and you feel like you know them. Yeah, and that's a problem that we have, I think, in the health profession as a whole, is that we don't use who we are to educate people. So we're very, uh, almost very, very clinical and removed from people, and we're based on the facts and based on the science. And that's probably, that's, it's not doing us any good unfortunately because what's happening is people are gravitating to these people who have diet plans and and all of this nutrition and health and wellness advice uh, psychological advice but they're using their stories to be able to sell Mm. and their personality yeah 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 and I know as a clinical psychologist sharing your story is just not what you're supposed to do Um, because it sort of interferes with the process of letting the other creating space for another person I see I see Mm. yeah yeah it's not about us it's about the other person But in the influencer world, it is about like that person and their story and it's very aspirational. Yes. In general, they sell a end goal, don't they? They they sell this, if you do what I did, you can turn out like me. They sell hope. Yes, hope and and And, and alongside of it, like quite a lot of sexiness and thinness. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and happiness, happiness. If you eat like me, you will be happy like me and you can sit on your kitchen, beautiful $20,000 kitchen bench eating noodles and laughing and smiling at the camera if you just eat like me. It's it's aspirational. Yeah, it's aspirational. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. One of the things I saw in I Quit Sugar, one of the, like, some of the claims are quite strange. I mean, obviously it's going to clear your brain fog and your bloating. But one of the things she talks about is that she came to quitting sugar because she wasn't feeling well because in the I Quit Sugar book, she talks about having an autoimmune disease. So earlier on in her life, Graves' disease, and then later on Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, Mm -hmm. which that pricked up my ears because I actually have Hashimoto's. And I know that this immune condition is largely genetic it's inherited and no one really knows the ins and outs of when or why it switches on Mm -hmm. but when I was diagnosed and I've been to many endocrinologists over the years you know I have to have um, a pill every day I have blood tests every three months hypothyroidism is not the easiest thing to control because it's always changing but one thing I I do know from all of the science is that it it really is nothing to do with what you eat <laughs> but in I quit sugar she's implying that improving well like not improving but like cutting out sugar will heal Hashimoto's and that really upsets me because I know it doesn't and also I know she still takes medication right 
So, so the, it's under control with medication. Yeah, but, but the claim is that it's under control because of the no sugar thing. There's a confound. We, we cannot say confidently that this is being controlled because of a change in diet or because of the change in medication. So yes. I guess that it, it got me when it started to sort of imply that autoimmune disease can be improved. I mean, you know what, if people want to um, look after, like you said earlier, look after themselves, and even if they want to like look at what they're eating and how they're eating and how that makes them feel, I've got nothing against that. Because you know what, it's all about like tuning in and intuition and like learning what sort of stuff makes you feel a certain way. But to demonize one thing, i.e. sugar, and say the way out is to cut it out is, I mean, obviously I'm an eating disorders therapist, so what am I going to think about that? Yeah. <laughs> So I guess you see a lot of the psychological effects of, of really limiting the foods that we're, we're eating and that we're um, trying to avoid. And from my lens, I see that as well. I see that daily. I come across this. And then I also see this through a nutrition lens where I see all the wonderful nutrition, all the wonderful vital nutrients that people are in fact missing out on. So I remember when the I Quit Sugar program a couple of years ago, they came out with this very fancy looking fruit hierarchy pyramid. So do you really? remember the old <laughs> nutrition pyramid? You know, yeah. That used to tell you what to eat and what to eat more of and what up the top in the tiny bit of the top of the pyramid was what to don't eat. So Sarah Wilson and the team had developed this fruit hierarchy of what you can eat every day and what you can eat on special occasions only and up the top was bananas so bananas and oh. the, the social media post was bananas something along the lines of bananas taste great but you should really only eat them on special uh, special occasions now the fruits that you could eat every day and remembering that we need a couple of pieces or serves of fruit a day just for general health, you know, like we need to be eating fruit to feel good and to enjoy life as well. Like how bloody good does an apple taste when you oh, put it in the fridge for an hour good. on a hot yeah. day and you sit beside the pool and you're eating this crispy pink lady apple. Now this fruit hierarchy said that you can eat every day raspberries as your fruit, lemons, Ew. And avocados. So let's go through that. Avocados, in terms of nutrition, they're not a fruit. Botanically, they're a fruit. But okay. in terms of nutrition, they provide wonderful fats. So they're not providing carbohydrate or things like vitamin C and, and stuff like that. So moving on to lemons, I'm sorry, but who's going to sit and slice up a whole lemon and say to their three-year-old, here you go, Johnny, here's some fruit for your snack. <laughs> Imagine that. My kids would hate me if that turned up in fruit break, but it would be really funny. Oh my gosh, that would be funny. Now, the other thing is I really struggle with the ethics of telling people they can only eat raspberries. They're really expensive. So I calculated this and for the average for family of four, so two adults, two kids, to get a decent amount of fruit, like um, just to meet sort of some needs um so it would be it would be 250 dollars a week to go and buy the fruit just the fruit. so that's all fine for someone to put out a fruit pyramid that says don't eat a banana that are 90 cents a kilo you yeah. have to go and buy raspberries that are 
$40 a kilo. Um, yeah. You need to spend $250 a week on raspberries and can't eat bananas. Now, I find that just such, such privileged, ridiculous nonsense and yeah. should not have even thought about the fact, can people afford what I'm actually telling them to do? I find highly unethical and I find just so blatantly disregarding disregarding people in in difficult circumstances yeah circumstances and after this came out the the comments underneath this fruit pyramid post on social media oh my god tagging their friend oh my gosh we're so not eating bananas now thanks so much for this information i quit sugar this is so important i never knew bananas were so dangerous for us oh my god came out i actually had a, a message to my nutrition guru and the chef page that came through it was from a lady and she said i'm in my car tara i've followed you for five years i don't know who else to contact i've just read the the fruit pyramid i'm having a complete panic i'm frozen i cannot move i've been in my car for two hours and haven't been able to leave the parking lot i am so and she said she went on to say I feel like I've now given my children cancer. <gasps> oh, the poor woman. So I tried to, in my best way, direct her to resources in terms of getting help, helplines and things like that. Mm. But at the same time, felt that I need to calm her a little bit. And she, mm. I said, where did you get this information from? She said, well, the I Quit Sugar program says that uh, bananas are full of sugar. And they also say that sugar leads to cancer and I've been feeding yeah. my children yeah. um, bananas every day so I'm a terrible mum for not knowing any of that oh god that poor woman and that's just one story of so many Look, yeah yeah and I think you know that's I think um I've got so much to say on this topic so <laughs> the um I, I too too Tara I have mm. the one thing that is really leading people into eating disorders right now is the sugar thing because everyone's heard this message and everyone's it's not being considered and I think um, it just concerns me that those in the pro quitting sugar community seem to really disregard the risk of doing harm you know creating eating disorders almost like it's not a thing yes. and um, yeah that it bothers me because in preparation for this podcast I have been reading her latest book. This is Sarah Wilson's latest, latest book, um, Making the Beast Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's her story in which she really is putting it all out there about her mental health struggles. Because this is a lady who's, she really has struggled with mental health her entire life. Like, and I'm talking severe mental health issues. So she reveals that she was diagnosed in childhood with severe anxiety and severe insomnia. In her teens, it was severe OCD and then bulimia and then bipolar disorder. So it's multiple dual diagnoses all piled up on top of each other, which, you know, I admire her for coming out and writing a book like this because it's very raw, it's very real. And she, as, she's a very intelligent person, but you can see the anxiety in the pages and you can, you can see the bipolar in the pages. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been working for 20 years. I can see her. So do you feel in your professional opinion that really that should have been disclosed or are really being considered before giving out dietary advice and things like that 
Well, that's what that's what this kind of stuff raises, doesn't it? Like really interesting ethical questions. Okay, we're in the land of the influencer. Sarah Wilson is a journalist background and she's gone and become a health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. <laughs> So, okay, so, the, oh, well, can I stop you there? Because Please do. Because I think do. <laughs> need to actually, for people, I guess, that don't understand nutrition study, just clarify that this qualification sounds pretty awesome. It's based in New York. It's the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. So you think, wow. But yeah. when you look at what they study, and I, I think it, you had said it's six months, Louise. What That's they... what it says on there. It says you can become a health coach in six months. Right, yeah. Mm. So they don't study any physiology. They don't study any chemistry. They don't study any anatomy. What they study is all the different diets around the world and whether they're good, they're good or not. So they just spend six months looking at paleo, then six months looking at Ayurvedic. They spend six months looking at macro, whatever, whatever. Okay. Um, that's their qualification is to get presented all of these different diets and whether they're good or not. Oh my God. Well, how does that even work? Because if I was running an institute where I'm like comparing diets, I'd be like, let's close because none of them work. <laughs> like, like how long do they follow them for? That's exactly right. So, so really, the degree should be everything doesn't work. Here's a piece of paper. Go out and tell everyone that. Yeah, and like, imagine how good that would be. Fabulous. Like, I've got a degree in telling people why your diet won't work. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I've got I've got a degree in like you know that you will put the weight back on and you will not be able to sustain this this like severe restrictive um, diet. And the, and the I quit sugar program. They always. What I found is they always say it's not a diet. They always say it's not restrictive. And I I just cannot fathom how they can think that telling someone to cut something out for eight whole weeks and then slowly reintroduce it and see how they feel is not restrictive. Oh, well, that's kind of another kind of aspect of modern diet culture. Yeah. Is because it's like, well, if we're no longer telling people that you have to count calories, then it's not a diet. Yeah. Even though, like, really, we're just going to change the goalposts around and say you can't eat this, you know, you can eat anything on the planet unless it has fructose in it. Yeah. Which means you can eat, like, one thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yet, but then the recipes are all full of rice milk syrup, which is a sugar anyway, has got the same calories in it as sugar. And does it, so these like rice malt sugar, because I've noticed that like with the I quit sugar stuff, there was for a period of time in the supermarket, there was a whole row of I quit sugar, like cake mixes and stuff. Yeah. And they got pulled. I'm pretty sure they got pulled. I don't quite, I'm not, I'm pretty sure, but the labeling was incorrect. So, you know, the nutrition label. So for example, there was um, a packet mix of how to make like bliss balls, for example, sugar-free, bl- I quit sugar, sugar-free bliss balls, mm. a nutrition panel that is meant to show you exactly what the recipe will provide in terms of fat, sugar, protein, sodium, and that sort of thing. According to Australian law, well, the I quit sugar people only provided what that recipe equated to without adding in the step of the rice malt syrup. Really? So you up at the supermarket and it looks like, oh, there's only like 
one gram of sugar in this whole box of bliss balls and it makes 24. But the actual method and instructions would go home and add half a cup or one cup or whatever of rice malt syrup. So people were adding sugar to these things, but being grossly misled, grossly misled. And I find that highly unethical. And I don't know how by law that was able to actually happen according to the Food Standards Australian New Zealand legislation around and the code that says you have to produce a food when you're producing a food range, the nutrition panel on the side has to give the correct quantity of all of those nutrients. Mm, as with the full recipe. With yeah. the full recipe. So if you add milk, you've got to put all of that in. And they didn't. Wow. And you know why. You know why, don't you? Well, because you're adding sugar. <laughs> um, but, but like it's, I don't, I've never understood that. So does, is rice milk, what is it, rice malt? Yeah. Is so that sugar? The, yeah. <laughs> So they take a big vat of rice, they cook it up and they squeeze it and they high pressure heat it and they do so much stuff to it. They squeeze out all the juice from the rice and get the starch and the sugars. And Mm. what you're left with is the sugar from the rice as a syrup and it's a clear or a brown syrup, but it's still, it's still a sugar. It doesn't contain fructose. It doesn't contain fructose, but it's still sugar. Absolutely. I'm so confused by all this. So I I went in and read the I Quit Sugar book in the bookshop and it had a whole page on how you have to quit sugar because of fructose. So I'm thinking that you can talk to me a bit about why fructose is bad. <laughs> well, okay, let's look at the re- let's look at the research on fructose, which is so there's two there's almost like two forms of this now in the year 2019. You find fructose naturally in fruit, and that's how nature intended it and by gosh it tastes delicious, gives us lots of pleasure. Then you find it particularly in the US in the food production industry in a product called high fructose corn syrup. Basically, it's a very, 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 what's the word? What's the word? Um, not condensed, but very, very, it's got loads of, of the fructose in it. Okay. It's got so shitloads of fructose in it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what they use to put in soft drink. In oh. America, in America. Okay. In the US of A, not Australia, where the I Quit Sugar movement has originated, but in, in the USA. Oh, okay. What do we put in our soft drink? It's just sugar cane syrup. Sugar cane. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it's at, right. so it's at lower levels. Now, the problem is that studies have shown poor health effects of high fructose corn syrup. Right. And the problem with that is it's the dose that they've been giving is very very high large amounts of this high fructose corn syrup and i'm talking like 20 or 30 times the amount you'd actually see in a piece of fruit but the other problem with that is that the research that has been done is mostly on rats and mice and we can't Mm. bloody rats and mice we can't take studies Mm. that have been done on animals and say that well whatever happened to the rats will happen right well it's gonna happen all right so what you're saying is like the fructose experiments have largely been done on like rodents and in those rodent experiments when they give them the high fructose corn syrup they're giving them such a mega dose of it yes that the ill effects that they're observing are from kind of ODing them 
That's exactly right. If they pump them full of uh, really potent and really broccoli, then they would probably have ill effects <laughs> as well and their brain might explode. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean we should stop eating broccoli. But what the problem with uh, that is what's happened is someone who is not qualified in nutrition then reads these studies and go, well, oh, they fed these these rats fructose and, oh, it caused fatty liver disease. Oh, and fructose is also in fruit. Oh, so we better not eat fruit. Now, there hasn't been one single study worldwide that showed that fruit causes any ill effects it's exact it's actually the exact opposite it shows that fruit is protective against a lot of diseases and disease states so including scurvy i know that one yes exactly exactly right exactly right so what you're saying is that just because some american rats od'd on corn syrup doesn't mean <laughs> we shouldn't eat bananas <laughs> That's exactly right. And when you actually look at the people that are spouting this information and this, you cannot eat fruit and you cannot eat any sugar, there are very, very, very few qualified people in nutrition that actually give this advice. You might see a doctor pop up here and there, but like with all industries, there are people who are good at the job and not good at their job. And just because someone has MD in front of them and doesn't make them good at what they do necessarily. So the people that are actually spouting this information, if you collated it all and actually looked into who they were, they don't have that critical thinking and that uh, skepticism as well, but also that qualification and understanding and being able to interpret the science and understand what those studies actually did. Because you can find a study that shows anything. You can, yeah. you can look at the abstract, can't you? The very first section of the study that's online for most people that says, we fed rats fructose and they got high fatty liver. And then people grab onto that. But you've got to actually go and pay $40 for that article, which I don't see the influencers going to do. And then you've actually got to read through 40 pages of that study and the trial that they did and actually understand what the heck they're talking about. And the people yeah. without a qualification in nutrition do not have those skills to understand what that study was talking about. So what happens is they translate, they mix up the translation of that um, of the research but also they cherry pick the research and they just find, go out and find research that actually backs up what they want to stay rather than what health professionals do, rather than standing back and going, oh, well, actually two studies showed that um, fructose causes whatever, but there, there are 99 other studies that show that it don't, for example. Yeah. Yeah, it's the scientific method, isn't it? It's going in with an open mind and trying to kind of figure it out. And nutrition science is just... It's so hard. It's it's so confounded with, with multiple things. And, you know, one of the big things that confounds all of the outcomes with like what a person eats and their health status are, are, are like things that aren't talked about by these movements like poverty and oppression and specifically dieting <laughs> itself and the anxiety that's created by, by dieting and food guilt. Absolutely. So, you know, I would love that to be um, attended to in these kinds of circles, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. Well, what I really don't like, Louise, is when I'm quite vocal in standing up against misinformation. Me too. Um, yeah. And what 
I really don't like is when these people who put out these diets then have someone qualified in this area say, oh, and in a calm way, like, oh, hi, would you be open to having a conversation with this because I see harm being done, but they don't engage. Is that what happened to you? It is. It is. Yeah. 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 And, and going back to that, that fruit pyramid that was produced by Iquitch sugar. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the clincher for me. Mm. <laughs> I actually publicly on their t- uh, on underneath their post, I said, "Oh, very nicely. Oh, Iquitch sugar. I'm really interested to see how this fruit pyramid was developed because I'm a nutritionist. I love staying up to date with all the latest research. Could you just advise me as to what research you used to actually develop this pyramid?" Because I'd love to read more. Now, the reply from Iquit Sugar or Sarah Wilson, I don't know who it was from, but they said, oh, there's lots of articles you can read online, but the Iquit Sugar program is not based on research per se, but a gentle experiment. Well, if that's a gentle experiment, I'd hate to see a hardcore one from them. (laughs) Like a gentle experiment. So we're telling people that they can't eat bananas and can only eat avocados, lemons and raspberries. We don't have any science that actually tells us this. We're charging $99 or however much it is a month for the plan for people to actually follow our I Quit Sugar plan. We're charging money where the website actually says you can reduce weight, reduce depression, all of that sort of thing by following our plan. And it did make those claims at that stage on their website. But then they publicly even tell me we don't have the research, it's just an experiment, but not just an experiment, just a gentle experiment. The oh, God. If that is for me, and I've got my goosebumps back now, <sighs> it's just mind-blowing. I cannot, I just can't fathom how someone could think that that is okay to do that to people. Yeah, you can't give a rigid rule and then call it a gentle experiment. Yes. Yes. Because that's, that's gaslighting. That is <laughs> Well, it's like me saying to 2 million people, hey guys, just don't worry about crossing the road anymore, like checking right or left. The new way to do is just walk out and go as quick quick as you can. And it's just a gentle experiment to see if it works. And I'm charging you $99 per month to see if that works. It's really not cool, is it? It's that is not. It's the opposite of a gentle experiment. But but this is part of modern diet culture. It's the gaslighting because everything's exactly the same. We've still got the rigid rules. We've still got the this is the way to diet. But we're no longer allowed to call it a diet or pursue weight loss. We've got to kind of talk about wellness or healing really sort of ill-defined symptoms, you know. And 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 this this yes. And and then you know and then using. What really annoys me is like language of self-compassion to turn this all into something lovely and loving and gentle. And, yeah. and it's really not. It is gaslighting. And I hate the gaslighting of modern diet culture. Yeah. It's <sighs> not fair, is it? It is not fair. So I feel like we should go back to the point where we were talking about in the second book. So, so updating everyone. So I Quit Sugar was a huge thing. It's made millions of dollars. Last year, Sarah decided to stop the company, I, I Quit Sugar, and move on with her. Like she's very much into the environment and reducing food waste and all kinds of other stuff. 
And she's also written this new book, which is about the beautiful beast, which is all about anxiety and, and moving on. And in that, which I have been reading, is a really detailed account of her complex mental health issues. And, and the question is, should she have disclosed that when she was selling I Quit Sugar? I can understand why she wouldn't have because it's private information. But I think it just it really does raise this interesting question of in modern diet culture with um, people who are influencers or health coaches with their own stories of mental illness, jumping on bandwagons like this, I, I think there is room for concern. I think what has come to light over the past few weeks for me over an article where Sarah Wilson did claim that she was misquoted about a lot of her philosophy in a recent article. So what I feel like happens is, yes, I believe she should have disclosed this and let people know. If she didn't want to, that's fine. That's her choice. But people can't then use when they're called out on something or things don't go their way or they're not perceived in the light that they wished they had been perceived in. They can't then use mental health as the reason to hide and not show up and not explain or not be accountable for their actions. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about there was an article from the Daily Mail by Eve Simmons in which she interviewed Sarah Wilson. It doesn't sound like the interview went very well because Eve was questioning, because one of the things that Sarah does disclose in her book is that she's got a history with an eating disorder, with bulimia. And this, this reporter has a history with an eating disorder as well. So she was kind of seeing it from that lens of you know, many of the food rules and the, the concerns that Sarah was still expressing about food and contradictions around food. So that's what she was sort of talking about. And, and Sarah did not like this and she's really... Um, said that she was misquoted yes. and, and has sort of, um, I think I Quit Sugar have done an interview with Sarah. So I want to make it very clear that Sarah's disagreeing that this article was accurate. But what you're saying is that you feel like she's hiding behind that mental health. Well, when I guess I questioned Sarah and asked for an explanation, you know, have you left the I Quit Sugar movement but not told anyone? Um, do you... Um, do you do you realise that this has caused harm to people? And asked a few questions and asked for her response. She then claimed that it was bullying and did a post of her own to say that she'd been bullied by myself and by the by the reporter, the a journalist who had written the article about her, that the article wasn't true and that she's been bullied and that pe the media should know not to bully someone with mental health oh, Right. So... I went and I actually publicly apologised. I'm sorry if this has caused harm. I do apologise. Could you just clarify what has been misquoted? And if you let me know, I'm more than happy to alert my followers and provide a platform for you to be able to tell my audience and a larger audience if required, like a your side of the story and I said I'm available by phone by email but I didn't hear anything and Sarah did go offline for a couple of days and she had someone post to say that it had been very hard on social media for her and I can see that there is yeah. absolutely no doubt about that being told by someone like me or by the media that being questioned about your own philosophy and about everything you've stood by for so long would be very very difficult but she's since come out saying you know how dare the media bully someone with mental health 
problems. And to be very honest, Louise, I am experiencing something at the moment with a family member who has very, very severe mental health problems that has affected um, our whole whole life at the moment. But to see, so I do have, and I've had my own experience with PTSD with severe anxiety um, about 10 years ago. So I have some lived experience and I can mm. relate to her, but I, at the same time, Louise, I've never used as, as an excuse for my behavior. Okay. I, yeah. I've stood up and I've, I haven't hidden behind mental health. It might be a reason, but it's not an excuse. And, yeah. and so I feel like what it does is it actually makes a mockery out of all the people, even like herself, that do have mental health issues. It just makes a big farce out of the whole situation. Mm. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but like, firstly, I think, like it sounds like it's been really challenging for you and I hope you're okay as well because oh thank you I'm okay I was prepared I was prepared for that and some people have said to me oh you're very brave for doing that post thank you for doing that post on behalf of the nutrition profession because you know I wanted to say that but I've I don't have the guts to do it. So thank you for doing it for all of us. But I don't do it for the nutrition profession and I don't do it for myself. If anything, calling out someone like and asking and and challenging someone like Sarah Wilson will actually probably only harm my reputation and actually (laughs) actually could do the reverse of what I wanted for my business and my image. But I feel that we have an ethical duty. The reason we got into this, this field as health professionals is to help people. So when you just see day after day, these such large numbers of being, of people being, being harmed, do you sit, back and you just think of your own ego and think well I don't want to be seen as a bully and I don't want it to affect my business and I don't want people to think I'm a cranky old woman mm. they're all thoughts that I, I have thought about before posting anything like this but I have to pull myself aside and go like I'm just thinking of myself in this moment what about all of those people that have been harmed and could I use my voice to actually educate people in showing people that the information they're reading isn't correct and so sometimes I feel like I have this ethical duty to stand up and say something for the general public and I guess on you yeah I really admire that because it does it does take guts to stand up and you know voice concerns against someone who has as much influence as Sarah and yeah I I, like my last interview was with Kelly Jean Drinkwater who's like a fat activist and a a filmmaker and um she was saying to me because I was saying the same thing to her like well done for like standing up and getting out there and getting fat representation out there and she said well you know what I just feel like I can't not yes (laughs) (laughs) that the the, the voice is so loud like the dominant voice is so loud and I think that's what's happening like it's it's so loud at the moment and um and one of the things that's very apparent from reading Sarah's book on anxiety is and from the, the I quit sugar stuff is and I think just from Sarah herself, I think she's got a big heart and a big brain. I don't doubt in really? a, a, for a second that Sarah is absolutely help, trying to help people. Yeah. Absolutely. And herself. Like that's what's yeah. in the book. She's really trying to understand herself and her anxiety. And it's been, it's been really hard because she's just got one of these brains that's just always busy and very anxious and and it's not easy to live with bipolar it's not easy to live with severe OCD but one of the things she talks about in the book is also having bulimia 
and that being diagnosed in her teens and not treated. In the book, she's talking about being treated with all kinds of different health professionals, but it's interesting in the book she talks openly about OCD, about anxiety, about bipolar, you know, really open. But the bulimia is really just, it's mentioned twice. I've got to admit, I'm not through to the end of the book because it's a big book, but it's not mentioned. It's this whole cut. So for me, like, I guess I'm a bit biased with my eating disorder hat on, therapist hat on, but that has to come into it as well. This idea of understanding anxiety and understanding an eating disorder as a way of coping with anxiety. And when, what is an eating disorder? It's about trying to control food. And she talks in this book about anxiety is about trying to control stuff. You know, anxiety is about trying to grasp at things to give you a sense of safety in the world. Well, controlling what you eat and being afraid of and having a clear list of what not to eat is is certainly a way to control things, isn't it? Exactly. But that kind of, that connection isn't made. Yes. In the book. And it just seems to me like a little, it's interesting and it's a missing piece. Maybe it's left to the reader to have to try and figure out, but that it's not the general public's duty to fact check and to, when people are in a position of power, such as people writing books to try and help people, then they have to be able to recognise that they're in that place of power and then it's not up to the general public to make the decision whether they are credible or anything like that I think if you position yourself as a credible person you Mm -hmm. can't then turn around and you do see this a lot a lot with people giving health advice well it's up to every individual to make the choice whether they want to follow my advice or or not and if they feel it's right for them no I don't I absolutely don't believe that you can't position yourself as an expert on someone on something on a topic provide all of these stats and figures and plans and this will help you do this but then say well but all the responsibility is on you not me yeah yeah not yeah right yeah mm. It's a really good point. So I did get a lot of criticism after the last event with this article from Sarah Wilson's followers, but even some health professionals in the nutrition space saying, well, Tara, you did know she had mental health problems, so you shouldn't have picked on, you know, you shouldn't have done that post if you knew she had mental health problems. All right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? That's a fair call. But I have to ask, where do we draw the line? Where do we say, well, actually, anyone with a mental health problem can just say what they like and cause harm, and that's okay. That's um, what I've been. That's what I've been grappling with as well. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and when nutrition professionals have been reaching out, and they do try and reach out to people like Sarah Wilson and others, and say, hey, look are you willing to have a conversation about this? And they don't respond. They don't engage. They don't want to have the conversation. I find that like, where do you draw the line? You know, you see people sharing views on, and a friend of mine said this, well, she is a person and your words probably could have hurt her no matter what she's done. And I said, I completely understand Mm. that. Mm. But when we talk about Trump and we complain about how whatever your view on on him is or anyone similar, when you say someone, you share a meme on Facebook about how crazy Trump is, he's a human being as well. He could be experiencing mental health issues as well. But that doesn't stop people. Mm. And she said, well, 
and understandably, well, he's Trump. And I said, but what makes him, what makes him not be able to be affected? But Sarah Wilson gets affected by people calling her out. But Trump mm. gets to just have all of us attacking him for his views. But Sarah Wilson doesn't get to because she's got health, mental health issues. And she said, yeah, you're right, actually. Where is that line? Why does Trump get to be picked on? But Sarah Wilson doesn't get to be yeah. all is it is this a gender thing, right? If this had been Pete Evans revealing that he's had severe mental health issues, would we be saying, well, Paleo Pete, you shouldn't be selling a steak, you know, on top of all of this? So it, I don't have the answers. <laughs> no, I, neither, neither do I. And I, I would mm. like to clarify that this journey of my views on people like the people we've been talking about are never ever set in stone. Ethics is a very fluid, it's always changing. There's no right or wrong answer and it's very, very individual. But And I've learned a lot from this experience and I was quite clear about that on social media that I've reflected on this experience. I don't know if Sarah Wilson has. Maybe she has, who knows? Mm. We'll never know. But wouldn't you hope that if nutrition professionals are contacting you say, hey, look, your diet is causing harm. Can we have a talk about this? You would just think that you would just reflect on it and think, yeah. okay, well, I've at least got to have an email with this person and just find out. Mm. If someone ever, Louise, told me that my advice had, had harmed someone, oh, my gosh, it'd be the most uncomfortable situation ever. But I would be trying to figure out, oh, my gosh, what happened? What did I do? How yeah, can I better yeah. that in some way? How can yeah. I prevent that from happening again? But that's what you see with this online world and, and you bring up Pete Evans. He brought out the recipe with the baby, the bone broth formula. He yeah. was contacted. I tried to contact him as well. So many health professionals and doctors contacted him to say, please don't publish the book. The level of vitamin A in this is 20 times the upper limit you can give to a baby. It could cause death. But do you know what he did? He just went, oh, poor me. And he self, he's published. He self-published it. Yeah. yeah. He self-published it anyway <laughs> with masses of people contacting him. Wouldn't you at some stage check in with yourself and go, oh, okay, let me get a few other expert opinions or yeah. what have you. Now he mm. just blatantly went, no, I'm just publishing it anyway. Yeah, it, it reflects the enormity of the, like, just how strongly these people believe in their nutrition camps. Because, yes. yeah, it's throughout Sarah's book that, that sugar is bad. It's, it's an assumption that's as, as strong as, like, the sun will come up in the morning. Yeah. You know, and, and, and even within it, she's, like, she's telling people that in order to fully recover from your anxiety or to, you know, to help yourself live with the beautiful beast, you definitely need to quit sugar. Yes. So, and, you know, and that's it, a really good point is because I think that Sarah and other people, they actually say often, they'll do a backflip and say, but I never said that. That's not what I was saying. It doesn't uh, matter what you were trying to say. So when I do a lot of writing for magazines and online publications and all of that sort of thing in the health writing space. And a friend of mine, when we came to this decision that it doesn't matter what you say, it's how it's heard. And I always, always write thinking along those lines. I might think that I'm telling someone one thing, 
but 10 people could read that and hear it very differently. And I think that that is a little bit of maybe what is happening with this whole I Quit Sugar movement and things like that is that someone... Well, I think, I think it's a lot of gaslighting, actually, because I think it's, it's written down in black and white. Yes. That, you know, you need to quit sugar. And this is like, yes. I've got a direct quote from her book. It says, you need to quit sugar down to six to nine teaspoons a day. Yes. And this is in a book written for people who are trying to live with anxiety. Yes, yes. And that, her, because it comes from her belief system, that anxiety um, is, you know, either caused or worsened by fructose. And, and that, mm-hmm. you know, it's in so many ways I liked the book and I, you know, I can't believe I'm saying that because it was a very, very comprehensive yes. deep dive into what it's like to live with anxiety and with bipolar and OCD. Oh. It, was, it was amazing. Yes. But covered throughout were these like recurrent messages that it's um, all related to sugar addiction, you know, sugar inflammation, all these not scientific ideas that, yes. um, and, and just that massive point that keeps being missed in this messaging that that fear of sugar is going to create the anxiety that this book is all about trying to it's help trying to fix yes and it's yes. like literally like no one who has an eating disorder can read this book also no one in a larger body can read this book because it's very fat phobic okay okay you're braver than me to to sit and read it that's for sure well, I'm pretty tired. Mm, mm, <laughs> I've been keeping myself going with plenty of snacks. Ah, good, good, good. <laughs> it, I mean, from a nutritional point of view, does sugar cause anxiety? Well, there's a lot of research out there to show that the link between gut health and mental health. She and, talks about that, yeah. Yeah. There's research showing that an increase in plant foods and the fiber from plant foods feeds our good gut bugs, which then transfers to good mental health, for example. So is it the sugar that's helping, stopping the sugar? So is it stopping the sugar that stops the anxiety? Probably not. It's probably because you're eating more of the foods that feed the good gut bacteria that then have an effect on your brain. That doesn't mean that stopping sugar and then that sugar is the villain. It just means mm. that eat, probably eating more plant foods is really good for you. Yeah. I, I mean, that's like a really intuitive eating philosophy, isn't it? Because in intuitive eating world, it's all about adding and not taking away. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, that I think, you know, overall book, which has a lot of lovely um, intentions, but still insists on restriction of of a food group, just disappointing. And I guess more so than disappointing, but alarming possibly about the effects that it can have. Because when people are restricting... Well, it's becoming, I think what pisses me off is that this whole thing is, it's becoming entrenched in like almost like everyday thinking, like, of course, blah, blah, blah. Like, it doesn't even have to be defended as an idea because, of course, you're a sugar addict or, of course, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And there's no of course. Yes, that's right. That's right. And the kids are picking up on what mum and dad are talking about at the dinner table and about sugar. And 
my little five-year-old daughter came home and said, mum, does your chocolate cake have a lot of sugar in it? And mm-hmm. because I won't eat it this afternoon because I had a lot of sugar at school and I was gobsmacked because I've never spoken like that at school. Yeah. And then I found out she'd done a sugar activity at school to find out how many teaspoons of sugar in a can of Coke. Um, I mean, and she's bloody five years old. She needs to be swinging from the trees, not learning about counting sugar in Coke. So we don't have a lot of, we can do what we can as a parent, can't we? But there's so many external influences and on, on what our children are hearing and that's what's quite scary. All it can take is that our teenage daughter goes over and has a sleepover and the mum is on the I quit sugar diet mm. and they're talking about sugar and that can just be the seed that's implanted, mm. unfortunately, isn't well, it? Well, is this is the world that we live in, right? The world that we live in is we are the like intensive care ward for people with eating disorders and we're seeing people flood in from the anti-sugar crusade. And that doesn't mean that it's justice because if we were working in the 1970s, we would have been flooded with all of the people with the fat thing or yes. with the carb thing in the 90s, it's the devil right now. But, you know, as health professionals, it's okay for us to be concerned. And I think and so. I think so. And I would, love to, I would love to be able to have the listeners of the podcast feel comfortable in being concerned and it doesn't make them a bad person. <laughs> and we're not picking on anyone, right, as, as a human being. We're, I mean, this is a movement and this is yeah. these, we're talking about people who are figureheading the movement. Yeah, and there are many. There are many, exactly. There, there are many, yeah, but it is okay for us to be concerned and we have to remember who we're trying to protect. It's your five-year-old daughter. It's my, it's my two daughters. It's all the kids that are being told from such a young age that food is something to be afraid of rather than embraced and, and enjoyed. Yes. And it comes just as the I Quit Sugar movement and the Paleo Peak movement comes from a place of intention to possibly help people. I guess that is where nutrition professionals are coming from too and I would love to see that maybe the Sarah Wilsons and the Pete Evans could see that from us as well because we recognize that in them well I would love for one day that they do see that we are trying to reach out for them we're having this conversation amongst ourselves because we feel we want to help people so if we all want to help people let's actually get together and see what we can do that's a really good point so what you're saying is you're not just a shill for big sugar (laughs) i tell you what louise i got asked by the conversation you know the online publication yeah um, conversation they was asked to write an article about the dangers of sugar and i wrote back and i said well I can, I've got the knowledge to actually write an article about that. But actually, I would love to write you an article about the dangers of always talking about the dangers of sugar. Yeah. And I wrote that article and it was one of the most read pieces um, the conversation had ever published. Oh, that's going in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) it went ballistic. But the anti-sugar people who came and commented and blasted me for causing obesity and causing all of this terrible thing because apparently in the article by telling people they didn't have to quit it and they could just reduce it a little bit and they're doing a good job that's all fine they don't have to restrict apparently Mm. that was that was giving people diabetes and that was causing people to eat sugar and I was apparently paid off by big sugar to write that article (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, bloody wish I had been paid off. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? I know. I know. I think, I mean, I think that, you know, big food thing, I think, I do think they had a point because I do think places like the DAA, the Dietitians Association of Australia, would really increase in credibility if they stopped getting funding from food companies. And I think they're yes, going yes. down that route. Yes, they, so did that, they did great. that at the end of last year. So, it's, you know, good things can happen. Well-made points can be can be listened to and heard like and pr we can progress from stuff like that. Yes, but, yes. you know, I, I just think that this really entrenched demonising of one food group is just really ill-advised. It's very short-sighted, isn't it? Yeah, look, yeah. yeah. I've got my goosebumps back. Have you got goosebumps or oh, I do, I do. <laughs> I feel like we could talk all night, but I also feel like we need to stop. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about that. This has been a really useful conversation and I really hope that it's heard and that it gets out to a lot of people. Thanks, Louise. It's been great to hear your perspective as well and keep up all the amazing work you're doing with your show. Always. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Tara, for an epic, awesome, wonderful, much-needed conversation. I'm so fired up about this topic, but um, I really hope that that conversation helps everybody out there think a little differently about everything that is going on with this I Quit Sugar stuff and hopefully get us all to a much better place. So that brings us to the end of today's show. And as I said at the beginning, I'm going to bring you another one in a month time. And from then on, it will be monthly. And I do say that with a heavy heart because I do miss you in between <laughs> and I hope that you miss me in between as well if you would like to find out more about Tara and all of her awesome work in the nutrition guru and the chef you can find her at Instagram under that handle the nutrition guru and the chef and also uh, a website which is the nutrition guru and the chef.com and on her website, there's not only like pretty awesome recipes because her husband is the chef, there is also merchandise, which makes me absolutely laugh out loud because it's sort of like anti-diet culture merchandise that you can buy. My favorite is a coffee mug that says on it, please shut up about your diet. <laughs> I am definitely taking that to work. So go and check that out. And thank you for everything that you've been doing, Tara, in pushing back against this ideology and sticking up for, for science and um, sensibility. I deeply appreciate it. Okay, everybody, that is it for now. But please don't forget to send me your crappy nomination for 2019. Think about an aspect of diet culture or a product or uh, an article or a guru or anything that, about diet culture that's really, really shat you this year. Give me a brief recording, just a voice recording on an MP3 file. Send it to me at louiseuntrapped.com.au and who knows? you could be our glorious winner for 2019 all right everyone take good care of yourselves and i cannot wait to bring you a very awesome next episode but until then trust no one think critically push back against diet culture untrap from the crap